0: Welcome to Victory Church, Winchester, Virginia's weekly podcast. Our desire is that you will find Victory a place to call home. Please take a moment to subscribe and share. Here is this week's message from our Sunday morning worship experience. Would you turn to Acts chapter 7, verse 51? And as you're turning, I want to give a little context to this passage where it starts in chapter 6 with seven men being chosen to deal with a food distribution problem of the Grecian widows. And Stephen is the first one mentioned and he's assigned a task that apparently is going to get him in trouble. Because uh, opposition arises against miraculous signs and wonders and undoubtedly his preaching. And false accusers come up and um, he's asked to show up before the Sanhedrin and uh, reply to these charges and so he he starts talking about God's work all the way from Abraham Isaac Jacob the 12 tribes the Egyptian slave time and how Moses showed up and then he says Moses your fathers refused to obey him and instead followed the idol Molech remember that name then he continues, David wanted to build a house, but Solomon ended up building it. And then he quotes a couple quotes of how How in the world can you contain a God who's created it all with a handmade house? And then he continues in chapter seven, verse fifty-one You stiff-necked people with uncircumcised hearts and ears, you are just like your fathers. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Was there ever a prophet your fathers did not persecute? They even killed those who predicted the coming of the righteous one. And now you have betrayed and murdered him. You who have received the law and was put into effect through angels, but have not obeyed it. When they heard this, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. At this, at this, they covered their ears and yelling at the top of their voices. Just picture yourself there. They all rushed at him, dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. That's another whole story. And while they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he had said this, he fell asleep. I didn't sing that last song because I was afraid I was going to weep. And I can't have my ears teared up, because I only got one contact. I'm legally blind in my left eye, and I've got to be able to see my notes, folks. 1999, Rachel Scott, a believer, was asked this question, do you believe in God? And she said, yes. But she answered the question to a perpetrator that had a gun in his hand, and he took her down. That's the last thing she ever spoke on earth. And some of us might wonder, if we were put to the test, would we be able to stand up and say yes? What an awesome God. There's no God like him. I will not be quiet. He's alive, right? In chapter 5, if we back up two chapters, Peter preaches something very similarly. And he said, Jesus Christ was accredited of God by signs and miracles and wonders. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him on the cross. And what do the people do? But they cry out, what must we do to get saved? And 3,000 people get saved. And Peter gets to live for another day. You know, the amazing thing about living a godly life and speaking the truth in love, we get to do that, but we don't get to choose how people react to it. I remember years ago I was a print shop teacher and I got this idea. I'm going to send everybody in the mailbox, in my teacher mailbox, and there were quite a few, probably 80 or 90. I made a little Christmas card. It was on the green and red colors and everything, and it was the form of a Bible, and it said the Bible, and it just continued with very many fine prints all about the Bible. And I I got positive reviews, positive, you know, but I got one really nasty card for myself from the advanced English teacher at the school that I taught at. And um, I can't remember what that said. I just remember the feeling I got when I read it but I took the opportunity to increase my vocabulary because the only word I remember of that whole thing that he wrote was drivel. Now, he could have used the word nonsense, but drivel had a little bit more impact. In another situation years ago, we were um, at our friends uh, in church, their vacation house, their little camp, and um, I got to meet the top lady of the eastern star, which is like the female version of the Masons. And she was boasting about all these wonderful things that she's done in life. And she was going on and on. And I I said, uh, you know, that's not going to get you into heaven. And she didn't like that. And she continued to tell me all of the good things. And I said, you know what? The Scripture says, but it's not of works. It's by grace. You must put your faith. And she would have no part of it. It was not a good time talking with this lady. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word that is the plain truth. It is so true, Lord, and that truth sets us free. And we thank you that that word became flesh and became one of us and dwelt among us and paid the ultimate price that we could be set free. And I guess my prayer, Lord, and I pray that there's agreement here, we pray that you would inspire us with grace to live the godly life, to speak the godly truths, even when it's not popular, and to fill us with the courage to be able to stand in times of making trouble on your behalf. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, we've been talking about being a troublemaker, being a good troublemaker like Jesus, right? Jesus was a troublemaker. You don't really have to do a whole lot to be a troublemaker. Live a godly life. Stand for the truth. You know, having done all, stand. And just speak the truth in love, and people will not like it. You'd like to think they didn't like Jesus, Right? Um, how many of you were born troublemakers? I mean, like, you know, the parent's nightmare. I wanted to see your hands raised. There, there are a few of you. I, there you go. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I see those hands. I mean, I was capable of making trouble, but for the most part, I think I took on to my father's trait. My father was kind of a peacemaker. He wasn't the pac- pacifist. He could discipline and so on and so forth, but he didn't like seeing people in, uh, fighting each other. He didn't like confrontation. He did not like conflict. He was the oldest in the family. Um, he had been through a lot, and uh, he never spoke religion or politics. And I heard him voice that. I will not speak about religion. And you know, sometimes it's good to take on the traits of your dad and your mom. Sometimes it isn't, because that really affected my ability to witness, um, but anyway, um, he said, it only brings hard feelings, now, concerning death, I've only wished it upon myself a couple times in life, when I was really severely depressed, ministry can do that to you, <laughs> uh, but I, I want to tell you this morning, truthfully and honestly, my wife could vouch for me, that 99% of, 99.9% of the time, I've wanted to live, right? Right? And I follow that rule, that retired New York City cop turned Secret Service agent during the Clinton and Obama administration, turned radio talk show host Dan Bongino, love him or hate him. His first rule is don't get dead. You can get the t-shirt, don't get dead. If you're going to be of any value on the earth, that's a real rule. Now, part of preaching is you need to read the room. And I want, I, I want to assume that the majority of you are like me, that you really are not looking for trouble, you don't want the hassle, and secondly, you don't want to get dead. <laughs> Can I hear an amen? amen? So the majority of you are in my, uh, my court. I mean, look, deep down, I'm kind of a scaredy cat. And deep down, if you were to admit it, you probably are too. Right? Um, (laughs) The problem is that if we are afraid of getting into trouble, good trouble, if we're afraid of dying, and dying is more than an event I'll share later, we really make lousy witnesses. We really do. I know what it's all about. It's called playing it safe and not going there. Because in our heads, we've already figured out that if I confront this top lady in Maine about her desire to get into heaven by good works, she's probably not going to like it. So we don't even go there. We just kind of dance around. And God has not called us to play it safe. He's called us to be all in. I need this message more than anybody here. Stephen knew, and so must we, that we are at war. And it only intensified the very day you accepted Christ. On that day, you got a big target right there on your heart and a big target right there on your head called the mind because he wants to take you down. I know it doesn't feel like we're at war. You're sitting in nice, comfortable seats. And those of you that are online, you're probably in a sofa. And the bombs aren't dropping and the bullets aren't flying. But I can almost guarantee you somebody within my voice's range is struggling and on the verge of divorce. There's a battle going on. At least one of you has probably been diagnosed with a really bad cancer that is unhealable. Maybe one of you is here whose adult child has said, I never want to see your face again, and I'll do everything in life to avoid you. And the prayer requests that come in, I mean, we are at war even though it really doesn't feel like it. You've already got plans to what you're going to do after you leave church this morning. The Old Testament is filled. It chronicles battle after battle. And it started with Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve were told, if you eat of this forbidden fruit, you will surely die. And of course, Satan questioned that. Now, did they die that day? No. But their trust in each other died. The innocence of their nakedness died. The lack of easy provision died. They had to go to work. How many of you right here are wishing that you didn't have to go to work? Yeah. A lot died on that day. And, um, you know, having kids doesn't solve anything. In fact, uh, Eve knew about childbearing pain. And what happens? But Cain, the older son, kills Abel the younger son, in the first worship war. Now, Pastor Lenny will tell you that was not the last worship war that ever took place. (laughs) And you know, like Isaac, the the son of promise and of grace, and Ishmael, Hagar's, Hagar's child, the son of works and human effort, they really never got along. And they still aren't getting along. And I can prove that by the Hamas Arabs Fighting the Jews, right that battle is still going on, and uh, you might think it 's a very physical war, but at the heart of it see there 's always a physical price to pay, but at the heart of it it is a spiritual war. Hamas is as religious as it gets, and of course the Jewish people are as well. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. We are at war matthew ten thirty four said Jesus said, do not suppose that I have come to bring peace on the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. Son will be against father. Daughters are going to be against mothers. The enemies that you will have are within your own household, and they will kill you and think they're doing God's work. Aren't you glad that Jesus is a straight shooter? He doesn't do the bait switch thing. He just tells it like it is, right? Right? Wars involve enemies and battles and strategies and weapons. And the Bible talks all about those things. Our enemies are Satan, demons, principalities, rulers, authorities, strongholds, arguments, pretensions. Our arch enemy is Satan, who is a liar, an accuser, a deceiver, a murderer, an angel of light. He's a roaring lion ready to pounce on you. And Revelation says he's got a lot of fury because he knows his time is short. We are at war. Baal, Molech, and Ashtaroth are alive and well in the USA. Baal was the first God, he was the main false God that the Israelites went to all the time. And so have we as Americans. The God of prosperity, the one that promises fertility, drawing people away from the Lord. You know the statistics are not good about people leaving church, leaving the faith. There's a big category now called the nuns. Not nuns, but the (laughs) nones. I went to school and taught by nuns. But the nones are people that have no affiliation. They claim no particular allegiance to anyone. That's increasing. Ashtaroth or Ishtar, she was a nasty one. She was a woman of war. She had a lot of masculine traits. She was also the goddess of sexuality. She was able to turn uh, masculinity into feminine traits. And do vice versa. She was able to confuse genders. She was able to make a man love a man sexually and a woman love a woman. That all happened way back there. And guess what? It's alive and well in the USA. And finally, Molech, child sacrificing. That's mostly fulfilled today in the United States through abortion. Whether it be surgically or chemically. That God promises you prosperity, it, inc- it promises you you'll keep your job, It'll, it promises you you will not be embarrassed as you throw the gift of, of God away. And so the Lord, in His Word, tells us, we're warned to be on guard, 1 Corinthians sixteen thirteen. and not, not all of these are up here, you might want to write them down, to be clear-minded, alert, and sober-minded, so you can pray, 1 Peter 4, 7. We're at war and it tells us to keep our heads in all situations and endure hardship, 2 Timothy 4.5. To put on the full armor of God in Ephesians 6.11. Why would we be told to put on a full armor of God if if we weren't at war? If that wasn't enough in Colossians 1.13, there's a beautiful prayer there that says that, that God delivered us out of the kingdom of darkness, the dominion of darkness, into the kingdom of the Son He loves, which is the kingdom of light, and we know that darkness and light are diametrically opposed. They have nothing in common with each other. They both hate each other. In fact, Jesus said, "I am the light. have come into the world, and men love darkness because of their evil deeds." <clears throat> Jesus shoots straight in Matthew chapter ten, verse sixteen. Jesus warns, "I am sending you out like sheep among wolves." How about putting that up on your refrigerator? That, that isn't even fair. What's the chance of a sheep and a wolf against a wolf? But we can out, outclass the wolves. And that's why Jesus said, Be shrewd as snakes and innocent as doves. He describes us as wheat living among tares, and in the end, it's all going to get harvested and judged. In John 15, 20, if that wasn't enough, Jesus said, No servant is greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they'll persecute you. Now, the upside of that is um, if they obey my teaching, they'll obey your teaching. And then he says in Matthew 10, All men will hate you because of me. That's another that we don't put on our mirrors or anything. Now the upside of that is, but he who stands firm to the end will be saved. We are at war. And if I haven't convinced you this morning, I don't know who will. Hallelujah. Now Stephen also had counted the cost. And so must we. Before embarking on this journey with Jesus in Luke chapter 12 14, verse 28, 29. He speaks of calculating the building of a tower. Yeah. The the uh, olive branch team calculated the cost of building that building back there before they started it. Because they said it looked really foolish if you started building a tower and you couldn't finish it. Has anybody known anybody that started building their house? They got that foundation in there, and then they put the deck all the floor joists and the decking. And then they, they, they invested in a heavily uh, blue-colored tarp and covered that, and they lived inside the basement for years until they had enough money to go up, right? He also talked about a battle. If you've got 10,000 men, you come against somebody with 20,000 men, you better know you can take them down, and if not, you better work on a peace treaty. Um, And if that's not enough, at the end he says, in the same way, any of you who does not give up everything he has cannot be my disciple. Aren't you glad Jesus is a straight shooter? I call those the three Ps. You can find them in the parables. He's telling you, you have to give up the people that you love. The three Ps. The people that you love The plans that you have and the possessions that you cherish, they've all got to go. Jesus would ask me to give that. Yeah, he may. And you need to be ready. Otherwise, you're not worthy. You're like the plowman that turns back. Now I want to reiterate, salvation is an absolutely wonderful, totally free, you can't pay for it, gift of God. Paid for in full through Jesus Christ who shed the precious blood on the cross for us. Good news. Once you receive him, the Bible is pretty clear that it will cost you your life and everything in your life. Now some of you are saying, wait a minute, wait, 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 no, no, no. I wasn't told, I wasn't forewarned, that wasn't fair. Well maybe the one that shared the gospel with you didn't, Share everything? Well, maybe that was to your advantage because now that you've come to know Jesus, are you telling me you want to deny him? Because Jesus said, whoever denies me before men, I'm going to defa- deny before my Father in heaven and anyone who disowns me, right? Um. <laughs> The chicken and the pig overheard the servant asking the master what he wanted. And he said, ham, uh, eggs, ham, and bacon. And the chicken goes, I'm all in. The pig goes, um, you know, for you it requires um, involvement. For me, it involves commitment. <laughs> so you got to figure out, do you want to be a pig or do you want to be a chicken? Now, I am five houses down from the Methodist Church downtown, I mean, uh, on, on Van Fossen. And I just, literally within a week or so, I was thanking God, because we, we sit on our front porch, it's become a new room in our house. I was thanking the Lord for being within the sounds of the church bells. I, it, this computerized bell system belts out old hymns and stuff, and I'm like, oh, Lord, thank you. And then uh, Jeff there, Smiley Jeff, blonde, I don't know. I can't remember his last name. He gives me a devotion. And, uh, and I, this is one of the thoughts in the devotion by C.T. Studd, a, uh, a British missionary. And it says, um, some wish to live within the sounds of a chapel bell. I wish to run a rescue mission within a yard of hell. He had to make it rhyme to really like, <laughs> ouch. Ouch. I'm, like I wasn't thanking god for being within a yard of hell we daily count the cost about pretty much everything we do should i take the long road with less cars or should i take the short road with a lot of cars should i should i eat the apple fritter for all the calories and the weight gain right how many kawana pancakes and gore sausages, can I stuff in my esophagus? Yeah, that one's current, right? Should I trade in the jalopy that looks so hideous, but that's paid for, for a brand new vehicle that when I drive it off the lot, it's going to lose 20% of its value, and I'll be making payments for the next five years of my life? We are constantly evaluating and counting the cost, but... How many of us actually cost-analyze the cost of following Jesus? Matthew 10, 37, Jesus said, Anyone who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And anyone who does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds or loves his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Missionary George Eliot put it this way, and this is also interesting. I had to look it up, and then that same devotion repeated it like three days later to me. And he said, he is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. And he was an incredible missionary. Pastors have an uncanny way of trying to get as many people in church listening to themselves, right? Right? That's really important. Uh, But Jesus seemed to almost do the opposite. Like, remember on one occasion, he said, unless you drink my blood and eat my flesh, you will have no part of me. There's no life in you. And it says through the scriptures, many, not just regular, many disciples left him at that time. In other words, it was just too hard to handle. And so he turns to his disciples and says, "Uh, do you want to leave too? And uh, Peter stands up and goes, Lord, um, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. So those of you that weren't forewarned, you know, that you didn't sign up for this, that's what you should be saying. Lord, where do I go from here? I mean, there's no place to go. We need to count the cost. The early believers in Hebrews 11, it kind of gives you a feel uh, of what they paid They were tortured and refused to be released so that they might gain a better resurrection. Think about that. Oh, no, no, don't don't release me. Just keep torturing me because I'm looking ahead at what's future. Hmm. Um, They faced jeers, floggings, chained, put in prison, stoned, sawed in two, put to death by sword. They wore sheep and goat skin, destitute of um, abject poverty, persecuted, mistreated, wandered in the desert and mountains, in caves, holes, and grounds. The world was not worthy of them. And you know, when I read things like that, I go, yeah, that's for the other guy. <laughs> oh yeah, that's, but you know, we don't really think that that could possibly happen to us. Have anybody ever shared a gospel with you or maybe you received under these conditions that, hey, accept Christ and your life is going to go better? Yeah. Connect with Paul on that one, okay? The Apostle Paul? Because this is how his life got better. Um, With great endurance... Troubles, hardships, distresses, nakedness, beatings, imprisonments, riots, hard work, sleepless nights, hunger, beaten yet not killed, sorrowful yet always rejoicing, poor yet making many rich, having nothing but possessing everything. For the sake of time, I'm going to skip how it is believed that the twelve apostles died. Right? And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Yeah. Hey, Alan, how am I doing? Good. Yeah, because Alan told me not to, not to hold back anything. I will tell you that the half-brother of Jesus, James, was thrown off of a hundred-foot cliff and survived. But he still wouldn't deny Christ, so they beat him to death with a club. We are at war, and we need to count the costs. Now, there's nowheres, as I read this text, do I sense any fear in Stephen. In his delivery, in what he speaks, or how he acts, and... Um, you know, we have to ask ourselves, what's the worst thing that could happen? And I think for most, well, a lot of people it could be, I, I could die. But some, it might be, I could be totally embarrassed, or I, I could be made a fool of, or I, whatever it is, we need to ask that question and face the fears. You see, there's death, and then there's the fear of death. If I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear. But there is a fear of death, and... Um, Death is much more than an event. It's a process that's in play from the time that we're conceived uh, until the time that we go to see our Maker. You've heard of the uh, the um, uh, stages of life. The, the easy way to remember is spills, drills, thrills, bills, ills, pills, and wills. Aren't you glad you came to church this morning? I mean, that's really... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Moving right along here. Um, have you ever said, I, I, I was dying inside? Or, I would rather die than do that. You know, death includes being intimidated, controlled, sick, disease maimed, having acne. I had a terrible case of acne. My goodness, growing up. And my friend Dale, who was a jeweler in downtown St. Albans, I walked in there one day, and he had like a red mountain right here. It was like a neon sign, you know. Like, blimey, look at the size of that zit. I mean, you couldn't even look in his eyes. You're drawn to this, and there was no amount of girl makeup that was going to cover that thing. Death, we're talking about death here. And he goes, Rob, do you think we'll ever grow up? We're in our mid-30s, you know, we're still fighting that. Being made fun of. Death is being called names, being canceled, marginalized, shunned. It's losing your health. I mean, just this past week, I was diagnosed with bursitis of the elbow. Now, I don't know if you know what bursitis is like, but I got a big jelly sack hanging down from my elbow. And the doctor says, well, you can do nothing, and it could go away. Or you could do something, and it'll be there for the rest of your life. Now, Denise was there with me in the office, and I know she thought that I was calm and like, hmm, tell me more. But everything inside of me was going, No! I mean, this might look good on Popeye the Sailor. It doesn't look good on me. Death is um, losing your ability. I used to be able to. It's losing a financial investment. It's losing your hair. It's turning gray. Like, I had no problems when my hair started turning gray. Like, I wish it didn't happen, but, you know, I'm not coloring it. But when gray hair started appearing right up here, oh, no, 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 that can't be. And now there's like a tuft of white hair right here. I mean, and what is it about guys my age the hair here is going faster than the hair on my head. I'm just so thankful it's not coming out of my ears yet. So is my wife. We're almost done here. You know, ladies, I'll tell you one word. Wrinkles. Wrinkles. That's the death of you. Multi-billion dollar industry trying to keep those bad puppies away. Whoa. And once you get them, then you multi-billion dollar industry hiding it. You're just trying to escape what is inevitable. I could go on, but I'm going to stop here. The bigger problem is the fear of death. That If I share my faith, I'm afraid that somebody's going to get my face, call me names, intimidate me, make fun of me, speak ill of me, muddy my wonderful reputation, make my life miserable, physically harm me. Could even kill me. Revelations 12, 11, speaking of the Revelation saints, it says they overcame him, firstly, by the blood of the Lamb, secondly, by the word of their testimony. And you know why? Because it says they did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. And it sounds very much like somebody else that I've come to know, Jesus, who said in Philippians 2:8, he became obedient To the point of death, even death on the cross. My last point, and it's the shortest point. You've been so good this morning. Stephen abided in Christ. And I can tell you why I know that. It's really fascinating that the very thing, abiding in Christ, being one with him, loving him with all your heart, that very thing will make you the very best troublemaker. Isn't it fascinating? I mean, look at Jesus, right? Like his father, and he was a good troublemaker. That very thing is the very thing that will carry you through the trouble that he decides you to go through. It's kind of like a double whammy. It's like, wait a minute here. This very thing that I'm pursuing you, God, is the very thing that will hold me in the middle of the trials and tribulations that come my way. Stephen, it is, he's described, but I wish they'd describe me like this. Chapter 6, verse 3, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. When the disciples were asked, choose these men, it was pretty self-evident who they were going to choose. It was reality in front of their eyes. These men had been tested. Verse 5, it says, full of faith in the Holy Spirit. Verse 8, full of God's grace and power. Verse 10, accusers could not stand up against Stephen's wisdom or the spirit by whom he spoke. Verse 15 says, his face was like that of an angel. Chapter 7, verse 55, full of the Holy Spirit. And finally, verse 60, it says, he says, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. As the skull was being crushed, as his body was being pummeled, he says, Lord. Now, how can you do that? By abiding. By loving Jesus more than anybody else. I'm not there. But that's what he's called us to do. Stephen had fallen in love with the Lord, and he stayed in love with him. John 15, I am the vine, and you are the branches. If a man remains in me, and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. We're a bunch of big nothing burgers without Jesus. Jesus. We are. Even Jesus said, I can't do anything on my own. If Jesus said it, who are we to think? Remember, I'm the one that doesn't want confrontation. I don't want conflict. I don't want trouble. But Jesus can call me to that very place and bring me through. As we end, Jude 1 puts it this way, but you, dear friends, build yourselves up in the most holy faith and pray in the Holy Spirit. I believe it's called praying in tongues. Pray with words, pray in tongues, pray it all, man. Build yourself up in the most holy faith. And then he says, keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for his coming. Perfect love drives out fear. The last scripture I'll share with you this morning is Ephesians 5.18. I won't even share it with you. I'll just tell you it talks about being filled or continually filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, if the prayer team would come forward, you know, this message is not even worth the paper that it's printed on. Unless each one of you asks this question, God, what are you asking of me? What, What does this mean? And we have altar calls every Sunday. You don't have to come to the altar, but you need to respond. You you need to have a conversation with the Lord this morning. In some way, whatever the Holy Spirit is speaking to you individually, like, did this just go over your head? or you, You need to ask him, okay, Lord, now what? Right? And in some way. Respond. Now, for those of you that aren't believers, I've, I think I've told you the way it's supposed to be, right? I've shot straight with you. Salvation is free, absolutely, because Jesus paid for you. But it'll cost you everything. I remember when I made my decision, I thought twice about it because I was concerned my parents might disown me. I believe, you know, I was part of the right religion. And as it was, my two best friends, Jacques and Adrian, basically forsook me. Long childhood friends. Gave my life to Christ, lost them. Adrian and Jacques, if you're listening today, accept Christ. Come on board, right? Simply admit that you're a sinner. Secondly, confess that He is Lord, right? Thirdly, believe Right? believe and confess confess it with your mouth you can do it personally but please tell somebody either up here or your friend that brought you to church enter into eternal life and dare to believe that he will carry you through being the best troublemaker for him he is able the rest of you if you need more courage if you struggle with that fear whatever it is there's opportunity this morning please come please come If you need to leave, if you need to leave, please be be so quietly because the Lord wants to do something very special here this morning. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Our vision is that you would experience Victory Church as a place to call home. We do this by encountering God through worship, embracing community through relationship, and expanding the kingdom of God through service. Find out more about Victory at VictoryWinchester.com.